Promotional consideration paid for by the following. In the game of checkers in life, sometimes you make the wrong move and get jumped. If you made the wrong move and need money fast, we're here to capitalize on that. Some people are destined to make the wrong move over and over again. It's okay. It's all right. What are possessions in life's treasures if you can't cash them in during a self-imposed crisis? At Abigo Brokerage and Pond, we'll secure the funds you need for any collateral items you can get your hands on. Just bring in your stock, jewelry, electronics, munitions, dust, automobiles, power tools, home movies, children, exercise equipment, pets, coin collection, or your spleen, liver, or kidney, and we'll give you cash on the spot. After all, some habits are expensive. We don't need proof of ownership. We're about the most basic exchange. Goods for money. We'll buy anything, including your dignity. A Vigo Brokerage and Pond. Shut up and sit down. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 336 of Third Shift. We've got here. We arrived. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I am so happy to be here. And with me today is also a special little raccoon, an inglorious bastard, some might say, the man who eats weird oranges the wrong way. It's Mr. Man. He's here. He was about to just chew right through the rind of an orange. And if he had, it would have been awesome. But he refrained himself, which saddens me. Matt, why were you about to eat this orange? What are you doing? Well, I was about to eat the orange, to answer your question, because it was going to be my dessert after my dinner, which was finishing the vegetables that I had for lunch also. But I didn't have time because I was wolfing it down. And you went, hey, I'll be ready in uh, 25 shakes of a lamb's tail. And I went, okay, well, I guess the rest of the veggies got to go here. Orange, you're just going to sit here. And then I thought, maybe it'll be a gimmick. It'll be my, I'll be the orange man this time. And nobody else will be able to see it because it's not a video podcast. But look how bright an orange it is on my screen. It's it like, surely is an orange. Like, is it a navel orange? Or a carcaron or whatever they're called. It is a navel orange, yeah. But it, like in real life, it looks normal. But on my screen, it's like... it. Well, it's it's like brighter than the cup on my screen. Yeah, whoa, it's crazy. It's it's nuts. But I would have bitten into it, but then I just pour juice all over the place. But I will tell you something that I did this week, and that was go to a concert because it's concert Jones, it's show Jones. That's who I am. That's movie Jones. Went to Lansing Symphony Orchestra's Music of the '80s concert. A great time. They had a a, a group called Jeans and Classics, who were the ones who did the ABBA. One, like, two or three years ago, however long it was that I did that. They came back. A whole smattering of 80s music. Great times. Just people grooving in the chairs, you know, bouncing and bopping. By the end, everybody was up clapping. It was, it was just a great time. And I, I was skeptical because I went, okay, they've got, you know, a drum guy, bass, guitar, and keyboard. That's all you need for 80s music. Like, is the orchestra even going to do anything? Can I, will I be able to notice? And I did notice. They did a really good job of however they mixed it, their guy who you know does the arrangements and all that. So it was really good. Really fun show. On the video game front, I beat God of War 2018. And I got to give you props again on the show, Eric. I think I already have given you props. I think you did. Yeah. But now that it's complete, man, that, you were right. That game is amazing. And it's different from the other ones. But it pays homage to the other ones. It pays respects to what came before. The only thing I'll say other than... You know, some more stuff that I'll say on what you play in Third Shift. The cinematography of that game is incredible. It's crazy. And, you know, I've said it before, but, you know, sitting here with my big, beautiful display, I'm like right up close to it, which I never have been for anything before. So when it goes super tight on like Kratos and Atreus, like right in, 
I feel myself getting pulled in. Like I'm leaning forward in. I'm like, it's just great. You know, speaking of paying respects to what came before, when he finds the vase or the urn or whatever it is, you feel it. Like I, I like the first God of War. Second one, it went too far. Third one, it was just atrocious. I've, I've hated it forever. I've always said that. But when he finds the vase in God of War 2018, you feel it. You, you, if you feel something and you see his face and he feels it and you feel it, and it's not like overly shoved in your face because it's, it's like kind of to the side, which I think is the beautiful part again about the cinematography. It's about him. It's not about like you as him. You've said that before. Mm-hmm. But if it was, if it was, the other way, it would like shoot over his shoulder and, you know, you'd see the, the urn would take center frame. But instead, it's him that does. And the urn is kind of to the side and you see that that's what he's looking at. It's just, it's shot and framed so beautifully and just the the way it makes you part of it, but you're not the main character. Like you've said, it's, you're going on this ride with the people. Like, I feel like the cameraman. It's just, Wow. Amazing. And I know everybody else in the world has been saying this stuff for five years, and they've, they're talking about the sequel now, and not the original, which I'm experiencing for the first time. But I feel like a buffoon. It was so good. But how would I know it was so good? Everybody says everybody said God of War 3 was so good, and I thought it was disgusting. So just props to you. I'm glad I put that on my news resolutions. I'm glad I got to cross it off. Again, that's two of the, what, I think five games total? Mm-hmm. So... I'm already on a roll. So once that was finished, I thought, man, what, what's next? And I, I looked at A Plague Tale Innocence, and I looked at Dark Souls Remastered, and I went, what, what am I starting next? And I went, stop, stop. It's time to just, you had just a big narrative adventure, a big action game. It's time for something that's just, just candy and popping in your mouth. And I went, okay. And I went back to Forspoken, and I've had the quest of go and fight the first Tanta for weeks. I mean, obviously, I was on vacation for two weeks, but for weeks. But what I do in that game is I get in that free free Roman open world, and I follow the little mana pools around, and I find this, and if that looks climbable, I try and climb that, and if there's a treasure chest over there, I'm going to go find that, and if there's a little dungeon over there, I'm going to go find that. I open up the map and see what's what's where. So I've been doing that for a couple days, just free roaming around, leveling up all of Frey's magic, because that was all I had for the first part, mastering it. Loving it, learning the evades, learning the dodges, the timing for the magics. And what's beautiful about it is there's a system where you can take on challenges for specific magics. You know, level one this, level two that. And she's got like a a shield shot where she makes a shield and then you can blow it away at the enemies. And I was like, I'm never going to use that. I'm just going to dodge around and fly around. And that's all I did. And I'm like, this is stupid. But then I I had maxed out all my other challenges. Well, I'm going to take the challenge for the shield shot. And by doing that, I had to learn how to use it and why it's cool and what it's effective for. And so it was beautiful. Just this little system in game for completionist weirdos like me. And oh, it forces me to use this to understand why it's good. Had a ton of fun doing that. And then I finally went, okay, you're doing too much. Go and fight that first Tanta, because I know there's at least two or three more. Go fight the first one. And I did, and it was beautiful and it was epic. It was still kind of weird because the cutscenes are still that fade in and out type of stuff. But when you got to the Tanta, it was an epic fight. And it was not like super hard, like, oh my god, I had to try it through three or four times. But it was, oh my god, she has these big attacks. And if you don't dodge them in the right way, so not just holding the dodge button and wiggling around, 
If you don't dodge him in the right way, you are getting hit. Cuff has his little like cooldown thing where he can only block so many attacks, and now it's your your circle's all red. So it was it was a ton of fun. She modifies the stage at one point. Not a big spoiler, but you know most bosses have phases. She had a bunch of phases that were a lot of fun, and now I have the fire magic. It's kind of funny because it's it feels totally different. Like the pace is all different. All the support magic's different. All the all the actual attack magic's different. So I was. A god. I was a killer. I was untouchable with phrase magic. I'm like, okay, well, here we go with the fire magic. Oh, oh, what am I doing? Oh, no. What am I? Oh, my God. Hey, what's going on? Dodge, dodge. Oh, my God. I'm getting hit. Oh, my God. Why Why do I suck so much? It's because the whole pace is different. The whole flow is different. And it's, and it's beautiful because so many enemies are vulnerable to fire, but I have to learn how to use that just like I learned via all my goofing around how awesome phrase magic was. So... It's just a ton of fun. I'm having a blast with that game. I will countenance no slurs, no slander on that game, because I am having a blast with it. But that's all I've done. I played two games this week, and I had an awesome show. So what about you, Eric? Well, holy bajosus. Well, let me tell you. I'll start off with the quick and easy one. World of Warcraft, man. I've been in there having a good time every single weekend. I told you last time we had just started doing heroics, me and Jared, to get me some gear so we could you know, step up to the next phase. We've graduated, folks. We are now doing Mythics. We're doing Dungeon Mythics, having a good time. Jared went ahead and joined a guild, so he was asking guildies to come along. It was a lot of fun. Getting randos for those we didn't have, you know, spots for. Now, guess what? I am able to do Looking for Raid at this point, all right? I graduated from the Mythics, well, the basic Mythics. So now we can do LFR. So it's coming up weekend. Me and Jared are supposed to be getting on. And I can finally get in there and do the raid on the easiest mode the raid is possible on. But that's all I want. I don't care. We're going to get in there, do some looking for raid. Maybe do some more mythics. Once the gear's all settled, me and Jared decided we'd actually start trying to do like maybe the mythic plus twos plus whatever. You know, the, the first level above your average mythic level dungeons. But after that, I think me and him both decided we'll be good. I don't think we're going to try to actually go in and do like the normal raids or the high-end mythics. I think we're going to call it after that and just say, hey, you know, we experienced it. You know, we got characters who actually got decent enough gear to move on whenever they get the uh, the next dungeons and the next raids out uh, in a couple months. So having a lot of fun there, really enjoying it. I still haven't actually completed the mainline story for the whole Dragonflight series. I'm in the last area right now, so I try to get on whenever he's not around. And tinker with it a little bit. But if you know WoW, you know there's a billion quests. It's just a hundred billion side ones. So I always try to do all of them. Just kind of go from one spot to the next. So that might take another couple weeks before I actually do like the main story quest. And finish it off completely. But as of now, still having a lot of fun in it. Still interested in playing it. And I think I got like two more months before my six month subscription goes up. But by then, I think we'll have already, you know, done the main story, done the LFR, done, you know, some extra mythics. So it'll probably be a really smooth transition out of that until the next little patch. Beyond that, before I forget, I did go play the Sea of Stars demo, which we had talked about over the weekend. Got the Switch loaded up, popped that in, downloaded it, went and played the whole thing. It was glorious. It was wonderful. It was everything I wanted it to be. It is an homage to all the old school RPGs, you know, Chrono Trigger, all that stuff. You name it, it's there. It's what I wanted. I didn't even need to play it. I already knew I was going to love it. But having played it, 
just made me love it more and really look forward to actually getting my hands on it. The music in it is absolutely phenomenal. The characters are all, you know, very just fun, vibrant, just, you know, loosey-goosey, having a good time, as the characters in old RPGs always used to do and be. And then after that, I played Hogwarts Legacy, man. Got in there, it came out. <laughs> and I was, I don't know, I was mildly nervous that it was going to be stiff and kind of like a, a triple B kind of game, you know what I mean? Not Not great, but decent enough. Man. This world, let me tell you, is gorgeous. Hogwarts is insane. Like, all the pictures, I told you, all the pictures are doing just like they did in the books and in the movies. They're all doing their little things as you approach them. Some are singing songs, some are dancing, some are huffing and puffing, some are being mad, some are being happy. Everywhere you go, you're seeing life. In the Hogwarts Castle. Everywhere. The tapestries are moving. The soldiers, the little statues, they're always moving or humming or singing or hitting each other or just bickering. Everywhere you go, no matter what it is, something is happening in this castle. Not to mention, there's puzzles everywhere. There's doors with like little puzzles attached to them and you have no idea what to do. But yeah, if you want to take the time, you can figure it out. There's students everywhere with like, you know, side quests that you don't have to do but are just there to fluff things up and give you a good time, build relationships. There's main characters, NPCs that you're going to have a bunch of quests to do to build those relationships up, which apparently, and I don't know because I'm not far enough, you'll be able to actually start recruiting them to do side quests and other stuff with you. Having got there, that sounds fantastic. And then, of course, you start to go off the Hogwarts Castle grounds. They got Hogsmeade. Of course, you'd expect that one. But then I look at the map. I'm not even there yet. Whole northern section. Stuff, I have no idea what's up there, what's going on yet. Whole southern section. I'm just getting to the point where I go to the very first little town right below Hogwarts Castle to unlock that. Go down there, there's like five or six sub-quests going on, a whole bunch of crap. Everywhere you move, there's a cave to explore. There's a little question mark with something to go look at and a point of interest to get you know more of your uh, field guide all filled out. Because in this game... You can go to your uh, your quests and your your accomplishments and everything else. More the more things you fill out, the more uh, random stuff you find, it starts to unlock the lore behind it and everything else. And then to reward you, it gives you items. So as you go, you'll get these transmog type items to go ahead and make your character look you know cool, whatever the hell you want it to do. But it, it rewards you for just going off the beaten path and looking for stuff. And then. On top of all that, I just unlocked these Merlin quests. So they're basically telling you Merlin was real. He actually attended Hogwarts. He laid out all these cool little puzzles for you to find and, you know, take part in. And then when you go to them, you go ahead and start it up. And it doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't tell you anything. You got to figure it out. So there'll just be like random things. Stones will pop up or uh, briars will pop up. And well, maybe if I light these all up in a certain way and at a certain time... They'll do something. Or maybe if I attack these certain statues in an order, I'll get some. And then by completing them, you get, first off, of course, a trophy for getting so many. There's rewards, basically, for doing them and experience on top of that so you can level up quicker, all that stuff. I don't know how far that goes. I don't know if it you know helps or does something if you do all of them. But either way, it's just a lot of fun. Now, on a sad note, man, I already told you today, but I was sad because... I got to about, I think it was level 15, maybe right around there. Logged on, save corrupted. 
And I was like, hey, we're going to retrieve uh, retrieve what we can. Okay. Usually, it just tells you, do you want your cloud save or your regular save? I didn't get that. It just said, no, here, here's what we got, man. Okay. Click. You're level 11 again. And I went, that's like hours of my time that I already put into this. <sighs> so I had to, the other day, go through a couple hours to get almost back up to where I was. I'm not quite back to where I was, but I'm close. And do all the things over. The only positive note of that was Matt. When I did this, having known what I already knew and having gotten better through just doing it, I smoked it. I was over there just throwing people around, this and that, left and right, just doing all the spells. wasn't even a challenge. And I went, well, that's cool. At least I know as I'm progressing, I am getting actually better at the game. Having had to done the same stuff over, I knew how I performed previously. So I was like, well, that's neat. I know I'm getting better, and I know I'm starting to understand how this works and what I should be doing better. But I'm going to tell you, if it happens again, I'm not doing it. This game's going to pause, because I'm not dealing with that kind of crazy crap, man. I'm not dealing with it at all, but it was a great time. I've had a ton of fun playing it. Can't wait to get on, actually, probably tonight and play a little bit more. And that's been my week. That's what I'm up to. That's what we've been up to, but something that I might actually just be up to, maybe even later tonight is my release for this week, which is Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, which came out today as we're recording this, the 16th of February, developed by Indie Zero, published by Square Enix for PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. This is something we talked about during a Nintendo Direct or a Square Enix grab-around. This is the rhythm musical game with all the Final Fantasy music in it. And this is a sequel to the other Theater Rhythm games, which were on the DS and the 3DS, which are apparently amazing games. And I thought they were the same Square Enix group as, like, all the Bravest and all the mobile games, because I think they came out all around the same time. And I went, ah, this is another trash game. But apparently this whole series is awesome. And it's all about just hitting the notes to the beats. It's it's a rhythm music game. What more do you need me to say? Go watch a trailer and you'll see exactly what it is. But the notes are coming across the screen. You're hitting them, you're tapping them, you're holding them, you're moving the analog sticks, or you're holding a note and kind of guiding it along the little path. But the kicker and what should be the game changer and the game seller for this game is, you know, I, I've played a lot of music games, a lot of rhythm games. You get maybe... 20 songs. You get maybe 30 songs. Think of Parappa the Rapper, the original. You had like, what, six songs in that one. Mm -hmm. So 20, 30 is pretty good. 40 would be awesome. 50 would be incredible. If you had like 70, that'd be amazing. Guess how many are in Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line? Just the base game alone, there are 385 tracks to play in this game. And they're from all the entire history of Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 1 through Final Fantasy 15, spin-offs, tactics, sequels, side games, Chocobo Dungeon stuff. So all this amazing music from all throughout Final Fantasy history, all broken down by series, by game, all that stuff. And you can play through all of them. 385 tracks. And if that's not enough for you, you can also get the digital deluxe version, which gives you Season Pass 1 and some additional tracks. And if that's not enough for you, you can get the digital deluxe extreme or whatever they call it edition, which is season passes one through three and some other stuff. And I got to tell you, you know, Screen Enix makes amazing music. The, the Final Fantasy music is some of the best ever. Eric and I own soundtracks. We listen to it all the time. It's great. Oh, yeah. But they also make 
awesome music in other games, and that's what the season pass allows you to do, is play music from the Saga games, from Live Alive, from The World Ends With You, from Chrono Cross, from Chrono Trigger, from Octopath Traveler, from the Mana games, from Nier, and, for the love of God, from Xenogears. And all of these, all the other games are coming out at different drops, like a couple weeks in between each other, little packs here and there for, you know, a couple of bucks a piece, or the season passes, one through three, are about $14.99 a piece, when you can grab all those up. What a deal. Even if you don't buy any season passes, if you don't get anything else, 385 tracks to play. And you can play them in all kinds of different ways, because you can play on the easiest difficulty where you barely even have to touch stuff. You can play it on supreme difficulty where stuff is just all over the place and you can't even parse it. You can play in co-op where as the notes come across the screen, you as player one control the top two and your buddy as player two controls the bottom two. So you can play it in co-op. You can enjoy this with your family, with your friends. You can play in competitive modes where you're going at it and throwing power-ups against each other. Maybe you're covering up a little bit of your buddy's screen so he only has so much space to react to the notes. Maybe it's changing up the pattern of the notes a little bit. There's so much to this. And I think, you know, even if you're not a rhythm game fan or a music game fan, if you love the music of Final Fantasy, you should play this because the, the accessibility options, the difficulty options, it makes it so easy. And I just watched somebody's random small channel YouTube's review of this today. They said, oh, you can also make custom playlists, and you can put this in auto mode. So once you unlock all 385 songs, because you do have to unlock them by going through the, I think it's called the quest mode, which will kind of get you through each series and each, each song, then you can, if you want, have the biggest Final Fantasy music collection there could possibly be right there on your Switch. And while you're off doing whatever, making dinner for the kids, doing your homework at the table, while you're doing P90X in the den, you can queue up however many songs you want in any kind of gosh darn order you want. Make the the best Final Fantasy music playlist you could ever imagine and just have it blasting out of your speakers. For me, I mean, I know we, we have YouTube, we have music streaming. That's worth it alone, just to have all these amazing tunes, and like I said, you can do it in auto mode where it plays it for you, and there's there's sound effects when you hit each note when you're playing the game, or you can just go into the music player and make the playlist. So literally, if you're like, ah, oh, I wouldn't want to hear the psh, 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 you don't have to. You can put it in the different mode and do that. So if you're a music game fan, 385 tracks should sell you immediately. With the season passes, it's over 500. If you're not a rhythm game fan, put it on easy mode. Walk through it and recall all your memories of the Final Fantasy series, of the spinoffs. I can't wait to get this and start playing through Tactics, because I had that little soundtrack, spin, the, the, like the bootleg soundtrack from SM Music that you always get from game hits, spinning in my Walkman forever, from like middle school through high school or whatever the actual years were, all the time. So to hear that again in the bestest, bestest freshest, hottest recordings... There's also different kinds of ways to play the game. There's, like I said, you can just play it with the notes and, you know, hit the stuff and do the stuff. But apparently there's boss battles. You can create a little team of characters from all throughout Final Fantasy and go up against these bosses somehow. Because all the reviews don't really explain it. They just show the music playing. And I don't know how the boss fight bit works. Because it's like, oh, if you beat the boss within a certain amount of time, you do this. Maybe it's just based on the how well you hit the notes. How well you're doing the beats, yeah. I don't know. They didn't explain it well. But even if you 
if you want a little bit of RPG in your rhythm game, that's here for you. There's no story, there's there's no big overarching thing, but if you want to make a little party of your favorite Final Fantasy characters and play with them through years upon decades, upon centuries of Final Fantasy music, you can do it here in Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. How could you not get it after that? If you're a music game head, you have to get it. If you're a Final Fantasy head, you have to get it. Even if you don't like rhythm games, turn it to easy and just have a blast listening to the best video game music ever made. Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. I'm getting it right after this podcast is done and posted and uploaded. I'm downloading it. I'm doing it. You should too. I should too. I am going to actually try to wait and see if maybe I can get a little sale in a week or two, but I do want to get it as well because like you said, that's it's too good of a deal. There's too many good songs on there. And then of course with the inclusion of Nier and Chrono Cross and everything else, it's that's just a no-brainer. It's it's literally just a no-brainer going through. And then, like you said, having like the cool little chibi-like animation characters that you can get in there while you're doing stuff. Oh, man, what a good game. Don't look past this one, as Matt already told you. And another game that I was going to look past. I wanted to look past. I did. But I can't now. It's too late. I got to send out the horn, Matt. Shay! Where are you? Wild Hearts has arrived. Wild Hearts is here. Megaforce and EA, they made a wonderful game. It's in the original, you know, family group. I wanted to let this go. I didn't want this. I got too many games that I want to play. And this was like, hey, we're going to give you the Monster Hunter World spin, but we're going to do it a little bit different. It's going to like a feudal Japan type feel to it. The kimonos, the monsters in this game, they are creature meets plant. And you're on this wonderful, beautiful world of Azuma. And these kimonos, like I just mentioned, are there wrecking everything. They're going crazy. You are a former warrior, but the samurai have run you out. They don't want you there anymore. So you're starting to travel the lands, trying to find a way to make money. You find out that these kimonos exist and that there's a need to get rid of them. There you go. Window of opportunity arises. You get to pick, make your character from, and from what I hear, this character making is one of the best ever in video games. Period. So you'll be able to make a character that looks exactly like what you want that character to look like. And then after doing so, true to Monster Hunter, you get to pick. You know what you want to use: swords, bows, uh, hammers, all the different things. You're going to pick from one of those, and then a whole different playstyle opens up to you based off whatever kind of weapon type you wanted to go with. And you're going to be introduced to the world. And off you go. You're going to go kill your first kimono. And then from there, you're going to keep doing that. And then, of course, harvesting the parts and pieces from said kimonos to make yourself new weapons, new gear, to get stronger, to go ahead and fight more powerful baddies, so on and so forth. The story doesn't matter. It never, in Monster Hunter, the story doesn't matter. Here, it doesn't really matter. But at least, I think in this one, at least... It's unique enough to be kind of cool, whereas that these baddies are actually ravaging the world and destroying things. And the developers said they purposely make the Komodos very bad, very hostile, so that way you don't feel bad in any regard for actually attacking them and taking them out, which I appreciate because, you know, we've all played like Shadow of the Colossus and stuff where you're killing these monsters and you're kind of like, well, I shouldn't really be doing this, and it feels a little bad. Even in Monster Hunter... Some of the monsters you take on are actually not there to harm you or do anything wrong to you. You just kill them. So if you're sensitive to that type of thing, 
this game makes sure that the baddies in the game are actually hostile, so you don't have to worry about that. And of course, to get a little spin, a little side something that Monster Hunter doesn't have, they introduce these magic blocks that you get in the game to build quick uh, like walls, so like charging baddies can't come and hit you. To build bouncy uh, little bouncy nodes that you can jump on and bounce over said bad guy or onto a different platform, whatever the case may be. In general, you're going to use these building blocks to help you combat these extremely powerful bad guys. On top of that, of course, using your whatever weapon you decided to use as your own. And I think that's awesome. I think it's unique. I, I thought it was going to be a gimmick, and maybe it still is. Maybe some of the reviewers are crazy, but from what I hear, it's not a gimmick, and it actually is really fun and really usable and really cool to follow through with you know, using the building blocks as well as your weapons to defeat these different, uh, you know, mergers of nature and beast. I can't wait to play this. As I was making a joke of earlier, me and Shay were talking about if this game did really well in reviews. Maybe we would check it out. And across the board, it's getting great reviews. You know, you're talking eights, nines, etc. And then, of course, I watched a whole bunch of gameplay the other day. And the game looks pretty damn good most of the time. You know, some occasional issues here and there, but that doesn't bug me. Overall, I just want a really fun game and a challenge while I'm facing these monsters and a sense of accomplishment when I beat them because it does take a lot of focus because, as I told you guys long ago in Monster Hunter World, every fight is like a boss fight. I'm getting that vibe from this game, and everyone who's playing it is kind of like getting all chummed up and happy and everything else when they beat the monsters, and that's what I'm looking for. So if you want a Monster Hunter World type game and you just didn't get into like Rise for the Switch but now for everything, Wild Hearts may be a game you need to check out. I'm definitely going to be picking it up as soon as I get a hold of my partner in crime in it and we get it all scheduled out and ready to go. So there you go. Another game coming down the pipeline. It's hoping to pass by but it's too dang good, man. I can't do it. Got to get it. Got to play it. Got to have some fun. So that's something you were hoping to let slide by. Here's another thing that you can't let slide by, Eric, no matter how much crap you want to talk about it. Because do you even know what that is in there? What that what that note is for? I have no idea what that is. PWS27 pack. I wrote it in code so you wouldn't be able to poo-poo it. And I'm going to talk about a game that was on a friend's game of the year list. It was his game of the year this past year. And you hold your tongue. I will countenance no back talk oh, when I talk about this. Final Fantasy. Oh, my God. That's right. Oh. A new expansion, a new pack for Power Wash Simulator is on its way. It's the Final Fantasy VII pack for Power Wash Simulator. And here's the kicker, Eric. Here's the kicker. It's free. Already, Power Wash Simulator is free if you're on Game Pass. This is also free, or will be free, when it launches on the 2nd of March. So just a couple weeks away. And what do you get in the Midgar Special Pack? You get to clean off the Hardy Daytona and the Shinra Hauler. You get to clean the Scorpion Sentinel. Clean while its tail is up! It'll counter with nothing, because it's a nice, peaceful game. You can clean the 7th Heaven Bar. You can clean the, the Mako Energy Exhibit. I almost said Mako. We're not allowed to say Mako. It's always been Mako. And you can clean the goddamn Airbuster for free. And on top of this is also the Tomb Raider expansion, which you can clean all through Croft Manor. That's been out for a couple weeks. I would not let this go by, especially on a Final Fantasy-themed show just like this one has been. 
If you love Final Fantasy, you need to pick this up. If you got Game Pass, give it a shot. Why not? Wait, you know what? In what other scenario, in what other game, in what other anything, can you walk around the Seventh Heaven Bar in first person? I ask you, Eric, and I answer zero other games. You can't do that. So if you want to see the Seventh Heaven Bar all glistening and shiny, it's up to you, my good friends, my gamers out there. Go out there. Tifa will love you forever if you clean up the Seventh Heaven Bar. I don't know how it got so dirty. Maybe some punks came in. But there you go. Check it out. Hey, uh, Matt, this is the radar part. Can you clean Tifa or or uh, Lara Croft off? Okay, Chet. Okay, <laughs> Chet. I do how it is. <laughs> Edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, hey. Power Watch Simulator is a it's a nice relaxing game. It's a good, it's a good time for you know podcast listening like I've talked about. If it didn't give me carpal tunnel, f- just probably just because of my giant mouse, honestly, and all the wiggling around you got to do with it, I would play it all the time. It's it's just a, it's just a ton of fun. It's a simple game that's a lot of fun. So it's interesting and it's really cool to see it getting themed DLC packs like this, and the fact that both of them are free. Square Enix didn't do a Square Enix, you know, like they say Atlas does an Atlas or, or Capcom does a Capcom. They could have just, hey, it'll be five bucks, and people would have gladly shelled out for it. I probably would. Granted, Power Wash Simulator is free for me, but I'd download a pack, and now it's free. So if you got it, why not hang out and check it out? And if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan, which literally everyone in the world is, if you got access to Power Wash Simulator, give it a shot. Have some fun. Clean the scorpion thing. That's right. Clean the air buster. That big old blocky bastard, it's fine. Just go to town. Go to town. Hang out in the 7th Heaven Bar. Now, here's the deal, Matt. You know, I was in. We've already talked about it. PlayStation VR 2. I've had it pre-ordered. I've been trying to talk myself out of it, but I can't. Like you said, I'm committed. I'm the guy. I got to have it so we can talk about it. So I didn't. And then I sat here going, man, I don't know if this is going to be a great decision. A lot of podcasts have kind of been like, well, you know, I bet it'll be okay, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, it ain't going to change nothing. It ain't going to change nothing. Reviews came out today, and it's super, super duper relieving for me mm-hmm. because even the ones that give it C's are giving it the weird C. Like, if you actually read the review, Great changes, great changes, upgraded, 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 C. Great changes, looks beautiful, working, doing what it needs to do, doing what it needs to do. Oh, it's so great. B minus. But then I will say, just because I've read a couple too, you have the absolutely glowing reviews. Mm -hmm. I read a couple of them. I think it was one from CNET and from... iGen gave it a really great one too. The one I read was from another side one that I can't remember right now. I mean, they did keep harping on the one cord, which we've talked about before. Oh, it's a shame there's still a cord. you got to be tethered and connected. But the thing that would sell me if I was definitely going to get this was they said it felt like I was playing a PS5 game. Like, they could notice a little bit of blurriness or pixelation, but it felt really close, which you and I and everybody knows can't be said for like any other generation of VR at all. Like, when it first started and got popular, the games looked like, PlayStation 1 and 2 games. They look terrible on a high-end PC and everything. So for them to say, hey, this looks like what I have been playing on my PS5, just whoop, attached to my head. Maybe not like the crispness of the, the biggest 4K HD or whatever, but it was really close, is what they said in this article. And I went, well, 
Man, you know, man, well, it made me stroke my chin and go, well, it's only 500 some. I just spent a bunch on a cruise and stuff. 500 is yeah, not I that bad. 500 and get this? Well, I did. And the best part of it, first off, just a quickie, they said everything about this is completely upgraded from the original PlayStation VR. Quality of screen, you got the OLED now, you've got the better constructed headset itself to sit better on your head. Instead of the uh, the lights, it now uses the uh, yep the lenses, and it shows you the internal eye movement. It's got the haptic feedback. It's also got the cool ability to then push a button, and you can see the outside world through said cameras. The other thing I, w- I was gesturing for, and I, I would hope you would catch it, but you didn't, was the that same review that gave it the glowing stuff mm-hmm. said, oh, even my bulky glasses that I wear fit perfectly inside this headset, and I can make adjustments that make it super nice for me. Now, granted... I don't have that issue, but that was, you know, you have that issue. Mm-hmm. And well, your glasses aren't super bulky, but all the people around the world who wear glasses, I went, man, that's pretty nice. Should and they showed, you know, shots kind of down inside and you could see it was a much bigger aperture for your face than the old one. And I went, yeah. that's, that's a smart upgrade, a small one that not a lot of people are going to notice, but if you need to notice it, you're going to notice it. Yeah, exactly. And I know you already mentioned the one cord, but what's so cool is, first off, yes, it's one cord. It's one cord into the system, too. There isn't a separate box with the seven different cords that you got to figure out because that was a headache. It really was. This time, no. One cord, boop, in. One cord coming out to you. Yes, we'd love to be completely cordless. We're not quite there yet. But even so, this cord gives you plenty of room to maneuver, jump around, hop around, and play your game. They said it was like, what, 14 and a half feet yeah, long? It's like ridiculous. that can tangle me up twice, and I still will have room to wiggle around and find my chair. Exactly. And then they also upgraded the controllers. You have the new you know, controllers that look similar to all the current you know, VR that isn't PlayStation or VR original. So I'm, I'm so stoked on like every aspect of this. But the best part of all was already what you mentioned. Horizons, Call of the Mountain. The VR title that's coming out, you know, to kind of be the the showrunner for the VR2, it's getting 9s and 10s across the board. Everywhere you look, gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful, must play, must experience, have to do this. Well, guess what? I don't have any friends who are going to bite the bullet and get this. So I get to be the one that does it, and I get to be the one to experience this thing that across the board is being said you have to be able to see this and you have to do this come hell or high water i would never get to because there's nowhere to do that anywhere i'm around so i i'm i'm stoked i get to actually buy i already bought the package that includes it so it's all in the package it's all coming to me and i get to play it day one ready to rock and roll and I'm psyched, too, because I do have a friend who's got it, so I do have a way, like, in a couple months when we take an RV to a place, I get a way to just jab him and bribe him, like, hey, man, come on, put that in the put thing. In, put the, you're going to put the PS5 in there, too, so might as well put that PSVR box in there, and while he's driving around, I'll get to swing off a mountain and do all kinds of craziness and have a great time. I mean... We've talked about it before. I'm not a big VR guy. I've never been, like, super into the whole thing, but like you said... I don't have anywhere to demo it. Like when the PlayStation VR first happened, there was one unit at the Best Buy that I went to, but there was a line of 20 people deep to use it. And I went, I can't do it. I don't like people this much. I can't stand in this line. But reading that review, seeing just the the total difference, because he had his PSVR 1 out and then the PSVR 2 next to it, showing it from all different angles and just the 
you mentioned it, the, the box with 87 wires from the first one, and then just showing the second one. Yes, it does have one cord, but it's one cord that goes to one of the most powerful consoles that we have right now, that I have right now, so I could literally just go buy it and put it on my head and even just sit in this chair if I want to with things on and boop, plug it in right here, just like I always am with everything that I have and experience the best of VR that there is. And it was actually very tempting after reading that awesome review and seeing literally with my eyeballs, the upgrades. And here's the, here's the detractor. Here's the biggest negative, but also a slight positive. Uh, everyone's frustrated because a lot of the games that you have in VR are not coming over to VR two due to a lot of different complications because of the different, you know, just everything, you know, controllers, capabilities, power, a lot of problems, a lot of issues. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of folks are upset. Beat Saber's coming eventually. Whether you're going to have to pay for the upgrade, I think you do for Beat Saber. So some folks are really upset that a game they already have, they're going to have to pay, you know, an upgrade for, which does kind of bug me because people never complain about buying Nintendo games over and 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 over again, every single system. But this, they're kind of like, well, that's not fair. I already have Beat Saber. Well, you already had Mario 3, didn't you? How many times have you bought Mario 3? Seven. Okay, well, what's the difference? I agree to some extent, but it is literally like the same game. It's not It's not on the go with you on the Game Boy Advance versus you were at home. It's not on the go with you on, you know, your Nintendo Switch. Eh, eh. I give you an eh, and you give me an eh, so it's fine. We, we settle with an eh. <laughs> we'll settle with an eh, but on the plus side, some are. Like Moss Book uh, one, 1 and 2 are both coming over. And then for you, Matt, even if you didn't want to be the jumping around kind of guy, you pop Moss 1 or 2 in, and you can sit in your chair just like you are, just like you would if you're going to play a regular PlayStation, and you're doing nothing. You're not moving except for your head because in that game, you're not dancing around doing crazy stuff. You're just controlling a character that you need to maneuver and look around the actual stage with your you know, your physical body to see where you need to get you know, the little mouse to and, and what you need to do. Same with the Astro Bob. But it's a fantastic, beautifully done game, and that is coming over from day one. For you to play over on the PSVR 2, along with a whole bunch of other games. And we already, uh, two, three episodes, whatever, talked about how many games were coming. Some say that's not quite enough, especially for like the AAA kind of experiences. And I'd say maybe there isn't, there's an argument to be had there. But you also counter with the fact that like Resident Evil 4 is going to be launching with, well, not maybe not launching with. Yeah, it's launching. Yeah. Oh, Day well, then launching with. PSVR 2 support. Resident Evil Village also is going to get the VR mode too. So you you may be short on AAAs right away, but over time, especially over the next few months or however long it is, you're going to start getting that AAA space from third parties. So maybe I think maybe that will be the ultimate kicker is if I can see some actual footage, I mean, obviously wouldn't be in VR, but footage of the VR versions of those two games, because I know what Village looks like. It mm -hmm. looks amazing. I will know what Resident Evil 4 Remake looks like. If the VR isn't like a literal downgrade or some weird kind of control issue, strange thing, maybe that'll be it. Because those are two games, one game that I really enjoy and one game that I am going to really enjoy. If they look that good in VR, maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Yeah, that and that's for me going to be the big thing too if i play uh, horizon and that's like phenomenal and i do village and it's just as good i've got great hope i've got great hope that at the very least games will start to have like a tangent 
side part of their game or, you know, just their game done in VR as well as regular. And maybe they'll start doing that. Because I do understand, you know, you eat a lot of money and you might lose a lot just producing for VR alone. But if Village can do it and it does it well, I could see a lot of games going, okay, well, we'll support it on the side too. And then, boom, I could start playing all sorts of games in VR as a side option as well as playing just regularly. And that was the other thing that was kind of a kicker for me about that article that I read. And I should I should figure out where it was so I can post it in the show notes. I don't know if I'll have time to do that. But they mentioned, you know, even just playing your regular games in the VR headset was super duper nice. Again, he said it wasn't like if you were playing in front of a 4K, it wasn't quite that good. But the faux resolution of the the image that kind of floats in front of your head when you're playing it is really, really nice. So even if you wanted to just play PlayStation 5 games in a in a cool like movie immersed type thing yeah yeah in a in a cool immersion kind of way you know put your headphones on and put this on and kind of zone out from the world they said that was a really cool way to play stuff too so i don't know i mean i have a really nice display now so it wouldn't be like a step up but mm-hmm. you know just another interesting thing to think about because it's not just for VR games. You can play anything you want on it. You can also watch movies on it. Which makes sense. It just plugs into your PlayStation 5. So whatever it's outputting could just go straight to your head instead of to a screen. Exactly. So that'll be fun to check out and try. And then last but not least, I already mentioned that the eye movement has me very, very, very curious. It says it has eye tracking. So basically whatever you're looking at with your eyes, the camera will adjust so you can see that. And they didn't have it before. You had to actually move your head physically to look and see. This one's way more intuitive, and I want to see how that kind of plays into the games that we're uh, handling and taking care of. Because if that becomes like a, a very smooth and streamlined thing, that's crazy awesome. That's like insane boggles my mind type stuff. And that is like the next step up in VR. And I hope uh, I just hope it turns out really well. I can't I can't wait to get my hands on it. Makes me think of like those '90s VR things where it's always like the eyeballs are going and they're like typing stuff on the screen or whatever, or like mm-hmm. shooting down the things and the, all those weird mock-ups from like the bad CGI days of like this is going to be the future of VR. That's what it makes me think of. Maybe this is the future of VR. I can't wait, Matt. Can't wait. So, what about you out there in podcast listening land? Are you sold on PSVR 2? Are you over us talking about PSVR 2? Because it won't be in anything but the weekly roundups anymore. This is it. This is the last hard sell Eric's got to sell you on the PSVR 2. Are you sold? Are you not sold? Or do you just want to, you know, say how great I am? Do you want to send me a note saying, Matt, you're super cool? You can do that via the email, thirdshiftme.gmail.com. You can do it on the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme. And you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift, but you don't send the Matt is great note there because Eric won't tell me about it because he's the only one who has access to the Facebook anymore. He'll just go, I'll go, hey, man, did anybody send anything cool? He'll go, no, I, no, I, I don't think so. I didn't, I didn't see anything. I didn't see nothing. He's a dirty liar. It's the way we roll. You can go over to Facebook and do all that, and I can monitor and decide what I say or don't say to Matt, and that's glorious. I love that sense and feeling of power that you could give me. So, you know, go do that very thing. Or you can go to Discord and give us some convos there. Good old Ryan, he suggested a few things to me for some anime. Can't wait to check it out. Thanks for that. And, of course, you can also go over to Patreon. You want to go throw a few bucks our way, help us out, keep the lights on, pay the bills on the uh, Podbean and etc. That would be super cool. If you can't do that, you can also give us the mailbag questions, talk about whatever the hell you want, give us suggestions, things to talk about. You can give us five-star ratings on the iTunes, over on the Spotify, any 
kind of way of supporting us. We appreciate it all. And thank you so much for those who have in the past. You can also go over to the Twitch and give us the Prime sub. If you got Amazon Prime, it's free money. It's all it takes is 30 seconds of your time, and it gets us good stuff. And I will say, I was hoping when I got back from my cruise to get back on the Twitch pretty regularly. But like I said last week, I got back sick, so nobody wants to hear me <coughs> doing that, <coughs> trying to do voices and falling off halfway through. So I'm hoping to get back on there in the next week or two when I'm feeling better, feeling right, feeling good. So you can check me out on the Twitch there, twitch.tv slash thirdshiftme. Drop the Prime sub. And next week, you can check out the very next episode, which will be dropping on or around the 22nd of February because I have a show on Thursday so we got it recorded early but you can still find it on iTunes it's just around Poppy and on Spotify and on YouTube and as I always say hey if you like what we're doing you'd like to help us out please give us a like a rating of you a comment a subscription any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out and we really do appreciate it indeed we do appreciate it as well as we appreciate the fact that you all go over there and you give us those five star ratings on iTunes those five star ratings on the Spotify and you build us up, you get us up in the looky seas, and everyone's like, oh, look at that podcast. Oh, they're so glorious. And then they come take a peek, and they go, man, wow, this is good. And then they tell their friend John and Susan, and then Susan and John come over, and then all of a sudden we get another five-star review, and then boom, now we're in more eyes and ears. And next thing you know, it's building, I'm building, I'm building, I'm building. And then we've got individuals and developers coming to us, and they're like, hey, we want to talk to you. And now we're talking to the bigwigs. We're talking to developers of all sorts of studios. We're getting you clean, clear, and crisp, wonderful content. That could all be a reality. It's up to you, though. We need your help. You know, remember the Uncle Sam sign? We need you. That's it. We need you. See, I was going to turn this into Sarah McLaughlin's dog. It's like, oh, we need your help. Only 13 five stars a day will feed this dog. <laughs> we'll, we'll feed your favorite podcasters. But. Uh, Hey, it's the end of the show, so there's nothing else to say. There's no segue. There's no nothing. There's nothing. I can't yeah. save it. I can't save it, Sarah nope. McLaughlin. Help us by saying Don't. there's nothing else to say, but don't forget to say. Shut up and sit down.